Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. From the Jill Schwartz Memorial Library here in Sultry, Savannah, this is Obscure Season 3, Wuthering Heights. I am your host, your friend, your ear lover, your literary mansplainer-in-chief, Georgianologist, and Southern Gentleman, Esquire Michael Ian Black. Here with you, it's been a minute for me. For me, it's been weeks. For you, not so much, because I had pre-recorded a couple episodes before I went off to Dublin, and then uh, and then there was a gap there where uh, I didn't release an episode, and then and then uh, and then I did release, and now this one comes on the heels of that. So it's been about three weeks, I think, since I've recorded, and. Uh, Man, I you know I've had an adventure or two. I mean, I went I went to Dublin uh, to do an episode of Name That Tune, and I'm I'm almost certainly not allowed to tell you how I did. I mean, I don't remember them telling me, "Hey, don't say how you did," but it's probably in the contract or something where they, you know, until it airs, you're not supposed to say how you did. But you know, this is Patreon, so. You know, no, you know, and nobody's listening to this podcast anyway. So I feel like maybe I could tell you. Nobody would care, really. So I'll just tell you. I won a shitload of money for charity. A shitload. I don't know if you recall, but last time before I left, I said, I'm going to do terribly on this game show. And in some ways, that, that, was, that was correct. Because there's a certain part of the game that I'm not that good at. But there's, there is a part of the game where I excelled, and that was the big money part of the game. And uh, I'm not going to tell you how much money I won because maybe, maybe I'd get in trouble. I don't know. I mean, who's, who's really going to care? But, but it was a lot of money, and I uh, felt great about it. Oh, man, did I feel I was just floating on the clouds when I walked out of that studio having secured for myself a victory. Just a tremendous feeling, you know, especially when you think you really believe to you really believe, oh, I'm going to do terribly at this thing. But I had a fun time and uh, terrific bands there. They got a great name that tune band. All these musicians from all over the place playing the hits, you know, the greatest hits of the 70s, 80s, 90s and today. And uh, yeah, they did not hold back on the musicality. Just terrific. And the band leader, Randy Jackson, seems like a nice fella. And uh, we fist bumped, you know, the way people do now. We did a little fist bumping. Oh, it was just fun. Just a good time. Dublin itself was a good time. And then, you know, I, and, then I, and then I came home. Martha went on to London to visit some friends. I came home. And somewhere along the way, I, I contracted COVID because I did a show a few days later in Boston. And then that night, uh, I was having trouble sleeping and I was feeling kind of feverish. And I thought, well... This is probably nothing. I'll probably be fine in the morning, but I really wasn't. And then I had to drive to New Hampshire for a show that night, two shows in New Hampshire that night. And by the time I got there, I thought, I'm not well at all. I was feverish. I was sort of achy. And uh, I was walking down the street, 
looking for the for the venue, and a lady stopped me and said, "Hey, you're Michael Ian Black." I said, "Oh, you come to the show?" And, and and she said, "I'm thinking about it." And then she said, "You know, she wanted to take a picture or something." I said, "Oh, don't get too close because I think I might have COVID." Because at that that point, I thought to myself, "This this uh, this doesn't feel right." And she and she was with some fella, and the fella said, "Well, I've got COVID tests in my truck. You want me to get you a COVID test?" I said, "Yes, please." So I did a COVID test right there on the street, and it came up positive. And I thought, well, that's not good at all. And uh, so I had to cancel the two shows there in New Hampshire. And then I was supposed to go home the next day, but I thought, I can't get on a plane. That's not the right thing to do. So I quarantined at a day's in in New Hampshire for the next five days, just, uh, you know, laying in bed and feeling degrees of lousy as I waited for my symptoms to abate. And within a couple days, I would say I felt all right. You know, not great, but all right. And then uh, flew home five days later. And then, uh, and now here I am. So it's been a minute, you know, since we did some Wuthering Heights. And I'm excited to get back into it. And uh, since I've been home, I've been, I've been sleeping in the hovel. You know, we have a hovel here at the Haunted Mansion in the downstairs portion of the home, which we uh, eventually will be airbnb In fact, it's listed already. We're just waiting for our first guests, you know, to, to, book, the, to book the place. Um, but I've been sleeping down there so as to avoid giving COVID to my loved ones, even though I think I am no longer contagious. So I'm done sleeping in the hovel. I'm going to return to the master boudoir this evening. The cough has gone. The fever has gone. I don't know that I'm fully energized, but I don't know that I've ever been fully energized. So that's probably not a symptom of the disease. But uh, yeah, I feel like I am back, you know? I'm, I'm back, baby. And so is this podcast and the story now, which is focusing on Isabella's woes there at Wuthering Heights. You you recall she has married Heathcliff. She's, you know, they've, they absconded in the night. She's found herself in misery there at Wuthering Heights because everybody's in misery there. Heathcliff's ignoring her. Hinton is has become a recluse, and he sort of alludes to the fact that he no longer even owns the house. Hareton is cussing at her and sicking the dog on her. Joseph's being Joseph, and and she's just thinking to herself, what the hell have I gotten into? She's miserable, you know? And so the last thing that happened was, Henley said, hey, do yourself a favor. Make sure you lock the door tonight because I'm probably going to try to come in there and shoot Heathcliff. And if you're there in bed with him, I'll probably end up shooting you too. So just do yourself a favor. Make sure you lock the door because I do this every night. You know, what I do is I get my PJs on, I brush my teeth, and then I try the door. And if it's open, I'm going to kill whoever's inside that room. So do yourself a favor. Just keep it locked. And so she's got that information. And then she went down into the kitchen to have a little uh, oatmeal that Joseph's been making. And Joseph's, uh, you know, bitching and moaning because, you know, he's, he doesn't like taking orders from anybody. And he's thinking, I'm, I'm going to have to get out of here. Now that there's a lady here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to hightail it out. You know, so... He's complaining, and now let's pick it up there. Uh, In chapter 13, Wuthering Heights. 
So Joseph's just been complaining. She says, this lamentation drew no notice from me. I went briskly to work, sighing to remember a period when it would have been all merry fun, but compelled speedily to drive off the remembrance. It racked me to recall past happiness, and the greater peril there was of conjuring up its apparition, the quicker the thibble ran round, and the faster the handfuls of meal fell into the water. Well, that's a word I've never seen before. Thibble. T-H-I-B-L-E. Never seen it nor heard of it. There's no footnote there, so I'm going to crank up the old research machine and see if I can't find out what a thibble is. Thibble. It's a northern England dialect, and it's, uh, it means a smooth stick for stirring porridge, broth, or anything else made in a pot. Now, I don't know why in this American novel there should be a North English dialectical word, but so be it. Now, I know dialectical is not what that means there, but so be it. So, you know, she's making oatmeal with her thibble. Joseph beheld my style of cookery with growing indignation. There, he ejaculated, Harton, thou wilt sup thy porridge to neat. There'll be naught but lumps as big as my nerve. Here again, I'd fling in a bowl in all if I were ya. There, pal, to gilp off. And there you had done it. Bang, bang. It's a mercy. To bore them isn't damned art. You caught you. I hope you caught that. I mean, it seemed the uh, the meaning seems obvious to me, but just in case it wasn't, I'll translate there. Hareton, you won't eat your porridge tonight. There'll be nothing but lumps as big as my fist. There again, I'd throw in the bowl and all if I were you. There, it's a mercy the bottom isn't delved, which means broken, dug out. You know, he, you know, he's critical of her cooking because he's critical of everything, you know. Oh, these, these, these uh, sanctimonious people, you know, the high and mighty, uh, the, the Bible thumpers, everybody's always doing everything wrong except for them. I mean, you don't have to be a Bible thumper to feel that way about stuff. I know plenty of folks who aren't, who feel the same. It was rather a rough mess, I own, when poured into the basins, for it had been provided, and a gallon pitcher of new milk was brought from the dairy, which Hareton seized and commenced drinking and spilling from the expansive lip. I expostulated, and desired that he should have his in a mug, affirming that I could not taste the liquid treated so dirtily. The old cynic chose to be vastly offended at this nicety, assuring me repeatedly that the barn was every bit as good as I, and every bit as woolsome, and wondering how I could fashion to be so conceited. Meanwhile, the infant ruffian continued sucking and glowered up at me defyingly as he slavered into the jug. I shall have my supper in another room, I said. Have you no place you call a parlor? Parlor, he echoed sneeringly. Parlor? <laughs> Nay, we've no parlors. If you done it like we're company, there's maesters. 
and if you don't like Maester, there's us. So I think that was clear. No, we don't have a parlor. And if our company's no good for you, well, you can go hang out with the master. And if his company's no good, well, then you can hang out with us. So he's, you know, he's taking offense, and I suppose rightfully so. You know, she comes in there thinking she's too good for him with her, with her fancy fibble ways, stirring up the porridge in unfamiliar fashion and destroying everything in the meantime. I mean, they've got a system there. I don't know if you've seen the bear there on FX, but, you know, you can't just come into the beef place and start changing up the system. They've got a system. You start messing with it, well, all hell breaks loose. And, and uh, you know, it's no different there in Wuthering Heights where Joseph has been keeping the kitchen low these many years. Then I shall go upstairs, I answered. Shoo me a chamber. I put my basin on a tray and went myself to fetch some more milk. With great grumblings, the fellow rose and preceded me in my ascent. We mounted to the garrets, he opening a door, now and then, to look into the apartments we passed. Here's our arm, he said at last, flinging back a cranky board on hinges. It's weel and not to eat a few porridge in. There's a pack of corn into corner there, meaterly clean, if you'd fear to muck in your grand silk clothes. Spread your handkerchief or top of it. So here's a here's a shitty room for you. You know, it's probably too probably too much of a pig pen for you, my fancy lady. But it, you know, you can go sit in a in a in the corner there, and if it's too filthy for you, well, I suggest you put a handkerchief down so you don't soil your silk clothes. You high and mighty biatch. That's basically what he's saying. The rom was a kind of lumber hole, smelling strong of malt and grain. Various sacks of which articles were piled around, leaving a wide, bare space in the middle. Why, man, I exclaimed, facing him angrily, this is not a place to sleep in. I wish to see my bedroom. Bedroom, he repeated in a tone of mockery. Yes, see all the bedrooms there is. Yarn's mine. He pointed into the second garret, only differing from the first in being more naked about the walls and having a large, low, curtainless bed with an indigo-colored quilt at one end. What do I want with yours, I retorted. I suppose Mr. Heathcliff does not lodge at the top of the house, does he? Oh, it's Maester Heathcliff's you're wentin', cried he, as if making a new discovery. Couldn't you have said so I launched, and then I more tell you about all this work, but that's just one you cannot see. He always keeps it locked, and nobody ever mills on it but himself. So he's got sure. Oh, you wanted his bedroom? Well, Missy, Miss, why didn't you say so? Why am I dragging you all over the house? If you wanted to go to his bedroom, well, you can't, can you? Because. Uh, he's the only one, it's the only one you can't see, he always keeps it locked, and nobody goes in there but him. You've a nice house, Joseph. I could not refrain from observing, and pleasant inmates, and I think the concentrated essence of all the madness in the world took up its abode in my brain the day I linked my fate with theirs. However, that is not to the present purpose. There are other rooms. For heaven's sake, be quick and let me settle somewhere." She can't find a goddamn place to sit down and eat her oatmeal.
you know? It's probably getting cold, too. It's lumpy and cold now, that oatmeal. Ugh. You know, I say I'm not fully energized. Man, I mean it. I'm not. I mean, I don't, I don't feel sick or anything, but, you know, 17 minutes into the podcast, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm bushed. I got, uh, I got myself a cold drink here. You're thinking, oh, Michael's got his Diet Coke. No, no, no. Seltzer water. Orange vanilla seltzer water from, uh, from Kroger's. <sighs> Tastes like a children's aspirin. That's, 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 the, that's the stuff for a hot summer's day. A little children's aspirin. Just uh, shove down the old gullet. All right, let's take a quick break. I'll try to, try to get myself more combobulated. And we'll continue in a moment here on Obscure. Back on Obscure, Isabella's running around trying to find a goddamn place to eat her oatmeal. She's like Goldilocks, isn't she? Nothing's quite right. This room's full of assholes, and this room's too dirty, and that room's locked and also full of an asshole, and I just want to sit down and eat my goddamn oatmeal. He made no reply to this adjuration, only plodding doggedly down the wooden steps and halting before an apartment which, from that halt and the superior quality of its furniture, I conjectured to be the best one. There was a carpet, a good one, but the pattern was obliterated by dust. A fireplace hung with cut paper, dropping to pieces. A handsome oak bedstead with ample crimson curtains of rather expensive material in modern make, but they had evidently experienced rough usage. The valances hung in festoons, wrenched from their rings, and the iron rod supporting them was bent in an arc, on one side, causing the drapery to trail upon the floor. The chairs were also damaged, many of them severely, and deep indentations deformed the panels of the walls. Well, it sounds like Heathcliff is a werewolf. I mean, that would, that's the most ready explanation for the state of this room. You know, he goes in there at night and he locks the door because he knows the moon's going to come out, and when it does, he's going to turn into a werewolf. And when he does, he's just gonna he's just gonna muck about the room and uh, damage or destroy all the furniture and get his werewolf dust all over the rugs and and uh, just make a mess of things. So if we can conjecture that Heathcliff is a werewolf, well, that would explain a lot, you know, why he's always in such a foul mood and where he disappears to, and you know, there's nights where he just doesn't come home. Well, he's a werewolf. Now, look, do I think Heathcliff's a werewolf? No, but it would be neat if he was. I was endeavoring to gather resolution for entering and taking possession when my fool of a guide announced, This here's to maesters. My supper by this time was cold, my appetite gone, and my patience exhausted. I insisted on being provided instantly with a place of refuge and means of repose. Where the devil began the religious elder. The Lord bless us. The Lord forgive us. Where the hell would ye gang? Ye married wearisome nout. Ye seen old Bud Harton's bit of a chamber. 
There is not another hole till I done it the heist. I, I don't know. Okay, I'm lost on that one. So let's just let's just get to the translation, shall we? Where the devil, the Lord bless us. The Lord forgive us. Where the hell would you go, you spoilt, wearisome naught? You've seen all but Hareton's bit of a chamber. There's not another room to lie down in in the house. Where do you? Where the hell do you think I'm going to put you? You think we just got endless rooms in this house? No. Yeah, well, it's heights, but it, you know, the heights don't go on forever. There's not. There's no. There's no. No other story to these heights. There's no hidden staircase for you to ascend where there's going to be a pretty picturesque windswept room with lace doilies laid out and fresh pressed sheets. Where the hell do you think I'm going to put you? Quit crabbing. I was so vexed, I flung my tray and its contents on the ground, and then seated myself at the stairs head, hid my face in my hands, and cried. Ech, ech, exclaimed Joseph. Well done, Miss Cathy, well done, Miss Cathy. Hasiver to Maester shall just tumble and broken pots, when there we is here summit, we is here high. <laughs> God damn it. I'm not even going to read the speech. I'm just going to read the, the translation. Well done, Miss Kathy. However, the master will just tumble over those broken pots and then we'll hear something. We'll hear how it's to be. Good for nothing, maddling. You deserve to starve from now to Christmas, flinging the precious gifts of God underfoot in your fearsome rages. But I doubt you'll show spirit for long. Will Heathcliff abide such bonny ways, do you think? I only wish he might catch you in that rage. I only wish he may. Now, see, he calls her Miss Cathy. Well, that's curious, isn't it? Why does he call her that? Well, uh, there was a Catherine who lived in that house and was given to similar fits of temper. Why does he mistake her for Isabella? That's a curious thing. And so he went scolding to his den beneath taking the candle with him, and I remained in the dark. The period of reflection succeeding this silly action compelled me to admit the necessity of smothering my pride and choking my wrath and bestirring myself to remove its effects. An unexpected aid presently appeared in the shape of Throgler, whom I now recognized as a son of our old skulker. It had spent its well-put at the Grange, and was given by my father to Mr. Hindley. I fancy it knew me. It pushed its nose against mine by way of salute, and then hastened to devour the porridge, while I groped from step to step, collecting the shattered earthenware, and drying the spatters of milk from the banister with my pocket handkerchief. Our labors were scarcely over when I heard Earnshaw's tread in the passage. My assistant tucked in his tail and pressed to the wall. I stole into the nearest doorway. The dog's endeavor to avoid him was unsuccessful, as I guessed by a scutter downstairs and a prolonged, piteous yelping. I had better luck. He passed on, entered his chamber, and shut the door. So, you know, Hareton comes by, kicks the dog, you know. Why not? You know, just one asshole after another in this house. Dog's just, I mean, look, the dog can't feel too bad for the dog. He's had himself a whole bowl of porridge that he wasn't expecting. Yeah, he gets kicked in the ribs for dessert. So be it. Directly after, Joseph came up with Hareton to put him to bed. 
I had found shelter in Hareton's room, and the old man, on seeing me, said, There's room for both of you in your pride, no. I saw dig it's the house. It's empty. You must have it all to yourself, and who, as Alice makes a third, is sickle company. So uh, there's room for both of you there, and uh, in whose room? Hareton's room? There's room for both you and your pride now, I should think, in the house. It's empty. You may have it all to yourself. And he, meaning God, who always makes a third in such bad company. He's saying, yeah, go downstairs, hang out. Nobody there. Probably room for you and your stupid pride, you conceited, fancy lass. Gladly did I take advantage of this intimation. And the minute I flung myself into a chair by the fire, I nodded and slept. My slumber was deep and sweet though over far too soon. Mr. Heathcliff awoke me. He had just come in and demanded, in his loving manner, what I was doing there. Loving manner, of course, being sarcastic. I told him the cause of my staying up so late, that he had the key of our room in his pocket. The adjective hour gave mortal offense. He swore it was not, nor ever should be mine, and he'd but I'll not repeat his language nor describe his habitual conduct. He is ingenious and unresting in seeking to gain my abhorrence. I sometimes wonder at him with an intensity that deadens my fear. Yet I assure you, a tiger or a venomous serpent could not rouse terror in me equal to that which he weakens. Wakens, excuse me. He told me of Catherine's illness and accused my brother of causing it promising that I should be Edgar's proxy in suffering till he could get a hold of him. I do hate him. I am wretched. I've been a fool. Beware of uttering one breath of this to anyone at the Grange. I shall expect you every day. Don't disappoint me, Isabella. And that's the end of the letter and the end of the chapter. So that's as good a place to leave off as any. Nobody likes to see such suffering. Well, Heathcliff likes it. The devil himself, you know, he likes to see it. Propelled in this life as he is by anger, hatred, resentment, and a certain coarseness of character that roughens every soul with which it comes into contact. He is awful. Awful, I say. So why, why, when we think about Wuthering Heights, and, I, and, and now look, I'm, I'm thinking of Wuthering Heights from a great distance now. You know, before I had read Wuthering Heights, and I thought of uh, Heathcliff, in my mind, was some dark brooding, handsome fella, maybe a brusque manner, but ultimately with a, with a heart of gold, you know? Well, he's got no heart of gold. He's a black heart. His his heart is filled with bile, the blackest bile. And at this point, you know, how far into the book are we? Uh, Halfway or so, a little bit bit less than halfway through the book. You know, I just don't see how he could be redeemed. Because if nothing else, he's caused so much misery to Isabella and to everybody with whom he comes in contact. That even if he were to do some... Uh, some wondrous deed from here on out. I just don't see how he's ever going to be redeemed. Well, maybe that's 
the, 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 exactly where Emily Bronte wants me to be at this point in the book. She wants me to think nothing but ill of Heathcliff and, uh, because I, because she knows that she's going to, she's going to turn it all around on me and she's going to surprise me with what a magnanimous fella he ultimately ends up becoming. Well, I doubt it. Not until he buys a vacuum cleaner anyway. I mean, he got to get the dust up from that rug. I can't deal with the dusty carpet. I can't deal with the curtains that are bent and dangling on the floor from the from the rod. I can't deal with the mess. I can't deal with the dog. I can't deal with Joseph or Hindley or Hareton. I can't deal with any of them. And I would not spend a night in that house. There is no shame too great to bear that would not be worth it to get me out of those circumstances. And, by the way, Edgar would be thrilled to have her back. You know? And what's Heathcliff going to do about it anyway? Nothing. She leaves. He won't do a goddamn thing about it, and and everybody knows it. So she should just, you know, snatch up her petticoats and go. Just start walking. But she's not going to do it. All right. I'm beat. You know? Uh, You know, I depleted my battery right on down to zero and now it's time to retire from this podcast uh and we'll pick it up next time on another rejuvenating episode of obscure but until then i wish you adieu this season of obscure is produced by me michael ian black and the great robin lynn our theme song is by craig wedgren we rely on you the listeners for support so please go to patreon.com slash michael ian black sign up there's all kinds of fun stuff there's goodies you could join the book club where we get together we talk about the book that we're reading uh and it's just a fun community so you know head on over to patreon.com slash michael ian black and i will see you next time